Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Heather Doty, FY21 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by Ian Cheney and Sharon Shattuck, who are director and producers on the feature-length documentary film Picture a Scientist. Ian Cheney is an Emmy-nominated and Peabody Award-winning documentary filmmaker. He has completed nine feature documentaries, including King Corn, The Greening of Southie, The City Dark, The Search for General So, Blue Space, The Most Unknown, Picture Character, and 13 Ways. His films have premiered at film festivals and theaters worldwide and have been released on Netflix, PBS, the Sundance Channel, Vice Media, and other networks. A former McDowell Fellow and Night Science Journalism Fellow at MIT, he lives in Maine. Sharon Shattuck is an Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker and podcast host. She's the co-host of the podcast Conviction American Panic from Gimlet Spotify and the co-creator of the New York Times OpDoc science series Animated Life. Her work has appeared on PBS, Netflix, National Geographic Channel, The New York Times, Vox, The Atlantic, Vice, ProPublica, Spotify, and Radiolab. She has degrees in forest ecology and journalism. Thanks for joining us today, Sharon and Ian. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. So what inspired you to make this film? The story of, uh, uh, of this film um, really started with a, a woman named Amy Brand, who is the director of the MIT Press, who, who brought to our attention the remarkable story of Nancy Hopkins, um, uh, now emeritus at MIT, um, but a biology professor in the 90s whose, whose story we tell in the film. And I think, you know, the, the reason the story resonated so deeply with, with me and Sharon um, right off the bat um, is partly due to, the, to Nancy's, you know, electric personality and the incredibly compelling story of, of what she and her colleagues did in, in the 90s. Um, but I think it, it also resonated with, with, you know, things Sharon and I had seen, you know, in different corners through our experiences in science and in films about science. And um, we felt that this was a, a really important step, important story to tell. And, and more, more broadly, um, it would be a really important story to expand upon. That's awesome. How did you two come together to collaborate on this? So our, yeah, we've been collaborating on and off since I think 2009 or so. Um, 
I I mean, this is a very long story, so definitely cut me off if this is too long. But um, uh, basically back then I, I saw this weird little video online and I was I was like coming from forest ecology and wanting to kind of transition into science communication. And I saw this video online and it was like so funny and so strange. And I was like, I have to know who made this. <laughs> and it turns out it was Ian Cheney. Um, and so I sent him an email to his company and, um, you know, came in and had coffee one day and and kind of immediately started working uh, with Ian on on this film, The City Dark, about the night sky and light pollution. And we've, we've kind of collaborated ever since. Uh, and then th- this was a project that we had been, you know, it's been something ever since Amy Brand brought it up to us. We were, we had been thinking a lot about like women in science and representation and the importance of having, you know, women on screen. And so it seemed like a natural fit for the two of us to make this together. That sounds fantastic. How has the global pandemic affected the film's release? Well, the the first way the the pandemic affected the film's release was was actually by canceling its world premiere. Um, we we were selected to, to premiere the film at at the Tribeca Film Festival, which which would have been in April in New York, and you know that we watched all these festivals get canceled through March, and we thought, well, maybe the maybe the but the pandemic will be over by April and, and oh, we can be good to go. You never know. And, um, <laughs> retrospect is, you know, yeah. but, um, so we, uh, so, so that, that was canceled. And, um, when, when it started to come into focus, the, the, the way the world was going to be for, for quite some time, we ended up, um, exploring other options. And I think that's actually been a, um, been a really rewarding experience. We 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 worked with some partners and collaborators to design a, a virtual theatrical release and partnered with a bunch of movie theaters all across the country. You know, small independent theaters mostly who who themselves were were struggling to figure out a plan going forward. Um, and worked with the Sloan Foundation Science on Screen series, which 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 aims to get films about science in, in front of viewers and independent theaters. Anyway, we, 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 we put together a kind of a virtual theatrical release, you know, put, put the trailer out there and, and, and tried to spread the word to our kind of core audience at first uh, about what, what the film was all about and, um, and what we were trying to do with it. And maybe it's, maybe it's because um, there's, there's such a, a strong core audience for this film. A lot of people who have been working on the issues we bring up in the film, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, representation in science, women in science for so long, long before we kind of came on the job to make the film that, um, you know, that, that audience was really ready to support the film. And and I think the, um, the STEM community more broadly, maybe I'm wrong about this, but, but it strikes me that they're, kind of already pretty good at doing things virtually, you know, collaborating with, with other scientists and engineers overseas on, on big ambitious projects or, or publications. So there, there was a way in which maybe it wasn't too much of a leap to say, Hey, this, this release is going to happen virtually and we want conversations to happen 
around the film as well. So following the, the virtual theatrical release has come this kind of virtual grassroots screening campaign where we're, we're bringing the film um, to kind of virtual communities of universities, institutes, nonprofits, companies, um, hundreds of them all over the, the country and increasingly around the world this, this summer and fall. So, um, so, so far so good in, t- in terms of, 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 of reaching out to an audience with this film during the pandemic. Yeah, we're definitely, I would say probably we have some experience with this virtual stuff, but we're all upping our game in that respect these days, certainly. So it's good to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, how did you identify the lead female scientist to feature? Oh man, this was really, this is not easy. Like every time, every time we do anything, you know, we need to find people to feature and it's, it's not, uh, there's no like template for this. So, so, you know, we knew we wanted to feature Nancy Hopkins. Like she's amazing. And she, um, her story at the MIT, you know, the MIT 16 is uh, it was sort of well-known at the time, but I didn't know about her story when I was coming up as a scientist in college. And so we really wanted to bring that out to a wider audience. But we also knew that these issues were not fixed in the 90s. Like, we're not done, you know, with this, with the um, idea of, you know, women in science and kind of moving up the ranks. Like, you see there there is an attrition at every level. And so, we wanted to also find some women who are still dealing with, you know, different aspects of this, this like harassment iceberg, you know, what the NAS report calls um, the, the iceberg of gender harassment. So uh, it took us a long time to like, you know, we, we read a lot of articles and we talked to a lot of people off the record. And it was it was hard to find, you know, people who were willing to talk about their experiences um, in detail on the record. Uh, but we did find, you know, Jane Willenbring's story. She has a, there's an article in Science Magazine about her experience. And we found that to be very powerful. And, um, and Rachel is so visible online as this, you know, she's a chemist and she's just doing all this outreach and like um, connecting with young people. And, and she's also, you know, willing to, and she's, you know, able to speak frankly about her experience as a black woman in chemistry, which we thought was really unique and and interesting. And, and, you know, again, something that I had never really realized before. Um, so we, yeah, they, it just sort of eventually coalesced into those three main characters. Awesome. And as, as we continue to move the needle in things, how do you think scientists are changing in their overall approach to politics and activism? Well, the the um, the thing that really s- struck me, or, or continues to strike me, is is the changing definition of of what it means to to be a scientist. Decades ago, being being an activist or being bringing politics to your science was, was sort of a kiss of death because it's this you know notion that scientists are kind of unbiased across the board, or, or that's the goal anyway. And I think now there's there's this sense that that's that's first of all nobody's unbiased, um, truly, and second of all, science, the culture of science needs our attention, and needs work. So to be to be active in that space, um, to be to be actively thinking about how to how to make STEM more inclusive, how to how to reduce discrimination and harassment 
and science, a variety of means, you know, that's, that's probably a pretty important part of what it means to, to be a scientist. And, and so too with, with many other fields, you know, finding that in filmmaking, you know, it's like to be a filmmaker means also probably to, to care about, you know, the state of filmmaking um, and not just care about yourself. So I, I, I've been really, you know, moved over the course of producing this film through the conversations we've had and now through, through getting the film out into the world, you know, how much um, people are really trying to move the, move the needle on, on what it means to be a scientist. Keep, keep that, you know, sacred space of science, the, the you know, the, the, the attention to detail in the lab, the, the, the hours of, of field work, you know, the deep love of exploring the natural world, that's all, that's all got to be there. But that can come without, you know, th- th- that can come right alongside paying attention to how your colleagues are doing, how your advisees are doing, and, and, and how your institution is doing. That's got to be a part of the space, too. And, and why do you think that diversity in science is important? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. It's like, I, I think about this, like, so my background is in forest ecology. And I think about it, like, when I think about any ecosystem, um, or, or even like, you know, if I'm thinking about agriculture or something, like we know that the more diverse ecosystems with different species, you know, different, <laughs> or if we're thinking about it in terms of humans, different human experiences, different income brackets, different ethnicities, um, we know that those ecosystems thrive and they can survive uh, changes and, and hardship um, and still like they, they're able to kind of come out on top. Um, in, in a way that like a monoculture just doesn't, you know, it's not able to survive in the same way. And this is a very clumsy analogy, but I think of science as like, it's an ecosystem and we need a diversity of different types of people involved in science to come up with these solutions and ideas that you might not get from the room if everybody's coming from the same place and if everybody looks the same and is the same gender. Um, So that's kind of, I think there's an example we we couldn't put in the we couldn't fit it in the film, but um, it's this kind of well-known example of of airbags and airbag technology. And um, I guess when when airbags were first developed, uh, they were injuring smaller people like women because they were sort of designed for like the average male. And the designers who were probably mostly men in the room, if not all men, just didn't even think about designing for a smaller body type. And so it was injuring and, and killing people. Um, and so, you know, but then once they sort of realized that and, and more people were brought in to design the airbags, uh, the technology improved. And you, we see that over and over again across science. So I think there's like a real concrete benefit to having women and people of color and just people from different, you know, backgrounds involved in science. I absolutely agree. And I love that you started off answering that question with a scientific answer. So <laughs> that was fantastic. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> um, I felt like I was rambling a little, but I'm glad. Yeah, you, you get the point, you know. <laughs> I totally, yeah. No, I, I love the fact that you brought up like the ecosystem and, and how. Yeah. Yeah. So we see it over and over. And I think just there is diversity of thought that I hadn't considered that aspect of it before. So perfect. Mm. Oh, um, cool. Thanks. What actions and conversations do you want to see stem from this film? 
people get different different things from films and that and that's that's good that's that's ideal i think um and we we do our our darndest to try and you know in our own way engineer a certain response in viewers but viewers are so are so varied um in experiences and backgrounds and what they bring to the film that um you could imagine everyone getting something slightly different. Um, and so here's just a few of the things I think we've, we, 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 we dream about viewers getting from the film. I, I think for, for women in science who, who see the film, um, for women who have maybe experienced some of the things that, that we talk about in the film, I hope they experience uh, a sense of, a sense of validation, a sense that they're not alone, a sense that they're being heard. And also a sense that that change can and and must happen. That things are shifting. I, I think we also want men to see the film, uh, and I, I think we're hopeful that men who see the film can start to examine their own their own behavior, their own collaborations, their own relationships differently, and can start to look for concrete ways that they can change the environment around them and in so doing kind of change the, the environment of, of STEM itself. I think it's something we heard time and time again, and I think it's absolutely right that so often the, you know, the burden of change falls upon, you know, the, the victims. And it's absurd to imagine that STEM will change um, if we, you know, heaping that responsibility uh, on the backs of you know, people who are being harmed by a by an unwelcoming culture or a discriminatory culture. So, you know, the men need to start putting in some hours. <laughs> and I, I think the um, you know what what I think ties ties it all together in terms of our our, our hope for the film is is is, is really a, what. I think documentaries in many ways do best, which is really opening up conversations. You know, there's, there's only so much you can get into a film, um, but hopefully we can move people. We can expose them to a few ideas, a few inspirational people, invite them into a space and say, look, this, this matters. You know, this, this needs fixing. This can change. You can do something. Um, so one of the reasons why we're, we've kind of built this, you know, community screenings campaign to invite universities to, you know, or, or departments, you know, almost at any scale, uh, to to show the film and then and then get together and, and talk about it, share experiences. You know, what, does this happen to you? What what can we do here? That's that's the change we'd like to see see happening. I'll hand off yeah. to Sharon too. That's a. I mean, that's exactly right. Like it's it's already been so rewarding. Like we we have this um, Instagram feed that we've just started recently. It's called Stories from Science, right, Ian? It's that's the right title, I believe. That's right. Um, Stories from Science, and so people can submit their stories anonymously to the Instagram account, and we will be um, we will be posting. You know, we'll, we're going to be um, just checking that you're a real person and everything, but but we are going to be posting some of these stories on the account, and it's just been incredible like the response already we just started this a couple days ago and i think we have over 30 responses and it's you know i think it's tough you know as a woman who is from science it's really hard to read 
a lot, you know, some of these stories are really tough to read, but it's also really validating. It is like, it's nice to know that you're not alone and, um, and that we're all kind of in this together. And, and like what, what Ian was saying, I completely agree that men need to be part of the solution too. And that's what has been so unique and rewarding about making this film is that we were able to collaborate on this together. And that's just, you know, I think it's really important to, to involve men in this solution too. Um, so yeah, what else do we hope? (laughs) I mean, I, I hope that women who see this film, um, don't just feel discouraged. I don't want people to feel discouraged at all. I do want people to see that there has been a lot of change and there is a lot of hope and people are mobilized. And, you know, I think in this moment in particular, we're mobilized as a country to try to, or some, some people are mobilized to try to solve this problem. And I hope that the film really captures those people and tries to get the word out to more people. Um, what was I, I was going to mention one other thing. There's, there's a lot of research about the effect of just seeing, seeing different people, um, on screen doing, you know, jobs, um, and, and how that can kind of change the cultural attitude over time about who can and can't do a certain job. And, um, so I, I like to think that our film, you know, just by showing women, um, and minorities doing science is sort of contributing to that change, that cultural change. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just recently read an article somewhere about the number of um, women in STEM who are inspired by Scully on the X-Files. So <laughs> That's amazing. I, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. true. They said, they said that um, women in STEM were like 50% more likely to have watched the X-Files than women who are not in STEM. So just an interesting (laughs) little anecdote to, to lie that, um, on top of what you shared. So Sharon and Ian, um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and providing some really valuable insights for our current and future engineers and leaders. I'm sure they'll be very interested to see this film. Thank you so much for having us. It's so much fun to talk to you. Appreciate it. Yes. Thanks so much. I'm Heather Doty and for all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. 